You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Before I bring in the rest of the team that will be alongside me for this adventure, don't forget to find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Click the subscribe button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. That's kind of how we keep this thing going. So wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Longhorn Blitz. So let me bring in the rest of the team that's been alongside me from the start. And uh, we're rocking and rolling. Guys, can you believe we're going on? I think this is year nine we've done this show. This football season will be our ninth. Maybe our 10th. I don't know. I was told there would be no math involved today. But regardless, <laughs> let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru wearing his last stand hats, DBU hat today. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. Yeah, nine years is a long time. Also, a lot of coaches we have went through oh, while doing this. Don't remind me. How's that hat treat you, Matt? That's good, man. It's always there. It's able to shield the head. Works well whenever you don't feel like <laughs> combing the hair. I'll uh, I'll be sure to reach out to Mike. And by the way, Mike and his wife, congratulations on the new baby. Haven't had a chance to give you guys a shout-out on the podcast yet. We are part of the Last Stand family here on Longhorn Blitz, so congratulations to, to Mike. Mike and the misses and the baby sounds like everybody's doing well. And uh, get over to LastHandHats.com for all of your Longhorn hat needs. They are a, an officially licensed uh, UT hat distributor now. So uh, you're, nice. you get officially licensed Longhorn hats there. Always quality stuff from the folks at Last Hands Hats. Uh, a man who has his share of Last Hand Hats. And, and Rod B., you're not above uh, wearing the free hat. If somebody gives you a free hat, you're going to wear it. This is true. This is true. This is well known. But I do prefer last stand hats. Actually, I got a new one. So shout out to my man Mike because uh, nice. I got an all gas no breaks one, which is pretty pretty nice. I oh. mean, now my my girl's jealous, so we got to go to last stand hats and get her a hat because she wants one now too. Those so uh, last stand hats, shout out y'all doing your thing. Those styles are popular, and the third member of our team is popular because he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. He is a Renaissance man, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Baber. Say, Rod, I think one thing we need to get to with Mike, we need to get him to bring back the Legend Series and to make a a 21 hat because you know they had he had the different numbers like eight and 23 and you can go down the list of guys that have worn those numbers uh in multiple sports across the 40 years 21 would be a really good 
Legend Series hat if we could give Mike the Yeah, ring. for Greg Swindell. Yeah, I was about and, to say you don't want to pick and, a fight. And, Ro- and Roger Clemens. Uh, Roger Clemens, that's right. Uh, and well, did Greg not? Did Greg wear two? No, they, oh, they both. They both did. They both wore. Well, you know, you're right. Rogers probably. Yeah. So honestly, the truth is this: I am the greatest, and I, I, I don't know for how long. I don't want it to last long. The greatest number twenty-one in football history at Texas, and you know what? That's uh, that's fine with me. I'm cool with that for the time being. That won't last for long because it, is Troy Mirror still wearing twenty-one? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. Then he's he's the next threat, and I'm hoping that he he blows it out of the water. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a legend. I, I'm not that because I, I if I'm gonna call Earl Campbell and yeah, Greg Swindell and Roger Clemens, guys like that, legends. If I'm gonna call, you know, my man Nasty Nate, Nathan Vasher, that's a legend. <laughs> I played with some legend, Quentin Jammer, legend. Where I'd be, I'm right below the legends category. You know what I mean? I'm right below. I will admit that I'm not. I'm not legendary. There are legendary lifetime Longhorns, and then there are lifetime Longhorns. I'm cool with just being. Lifetime low. I'm not the legendary status. I didn't get that. I, I, if I would have won the Thorpe or got to a, as a Thorpe finalist, maybe I'm in. But I don't think I got. I don't think I cracked the legendary, bro. With the new uh, coaching staff, though, you have a fellow <laughs> DB number 21 back at Texas. Blake Gideon was that's true. Wrong. He's that's back true. with the Horns. Man, that's my dog. And I know a lot of low horns be hating on Blake Gideon because some of y'all just hate on white safeties, period. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> like Jeff Heath. And, but yeah, exactly. I mean, just don't get me started. Uh, you know, don't get me started on that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm happy for Blake Gideon, man. And by the way, one of the greatest DBs in DBU history. He started more games than any other DB in DBU history. So he's going to get more respect now that he's back on the 40 acres and people are going to stop bringing up all the, the, the Blake Gideon hate randomly. Keaton Crawford also wearing the two one rod. You know, you've had okay. some guys that you hoped would uh, would take that mantle from you. Duke Thomas was a guy that we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about. Uh, Jordan Whittington wore twenty one for the one season where yeah. uh, he played one game and then had to miss the rest of the year due to injury. So maybe it's Troy Mary. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Keaton. You Crawford. know what? Honestly, bro, it's kind of seemed like it. It's lately it's been kind of cursed. Yeah, I was I was hoping you wouldn't go there, oh. Rod. But yeah, it kind of has wow. been. <laughs> yeah, since you left. Oh man, that's not good. No, because Blake did it. Did yeah. just but he gets treated so unfairly that I was thinking of him in the curse. It's Ooh. like one freshman oh. play is what Uh-oh. leaves him thought Uh-oh. that way from Texas fans. Oh man, I, y'all just blew my mind. I gotta do some research on this now, man. Let's not start the podcast this way. That's not good. All right, now I gotta <laughs> do some research on my number. Find out if it's cursed, damn it. <laughs> well, Rod, one thing you don't have to do research on is how many times Jawan Mitchell is going to either threaten to or just outright enter the transfer portal uh, because it looks like the second time is the charm. Jawan Mitchell, we had reported at Horns 24-7 that it looked like he was uh, not long for the program, telling teammates uh, at one point early, a few weeks ago that he was leaving the program, uh, and he has entered the transfer portal. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian confirmed what everybody had reported uh, that has a portal source that, yes, he is in there he said they're going to coach the guys that they've gotten now that the Longhorns are back uh, on the practice field uh, got in three practices back to back to back before uh, the Easter holiday before Easter Sunday so they're rocking and rolling again guys minus Juwan Mitchell and Rod when you start looking at the depth chart at linebacker and you see what's there in terms of starting experience with Juwan Mitchell in the portal with DeMarvin Overshone recovering from shoulder surgery You've got a combined two starts, 
career-wise between these guys. Jalen Ford, who started in the Alamo Bowl last year, and I had forgotten this. It's just kind of how like out of sight, out of mind, like at some point last year became. I forgot that Jalen Ford had started the bowl game. Not that he started, but the reason why. Remember Jawan Mitchell got ejected from the K-State game for targeting in the second half? Yeah. That's why why Jalen Ford got the start in the bowl game. It was just kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. And then David Benda started uh, a home game against Kansas in 2019, the game that was just too uncomfortably close for everybody listening to this podcast right now. So, but Rod, you, so no overshone, no Mitchell, and we're not expecting Jawan Mitchell to rejoin the team at this point, but you've got – Jalen Ford at 221 pounds, David Bender at 220, Jaden Hullaby at 225, and Terrence Cooks is a true freshman at 218. You still got Marcus Tillman. He's also a guy that's still in that room. Barad, you never want to say like a situation to lose your leading tackler from a year ago is a blessing in disguise, but, man, this gives Jeff Choate a prime opportunity to really get a look at depth and see if after spring do they need to earmark a position in the portal for an inside linebacker. And maybe they are. Yeah, have. they should. Uh, we don't. I mean, we don't know, but they definitely should. A couple of things may help them here because I think for the second <clears throat> offseason in a row, the probably the, the position that brings about the most anxiety uh, when being discussed has to be now linebacker. Right. Last year was the case because you didn't have a spring and you had DeMarvion Overshone transitioning from safety. Juwan Mitchell was still a lot more of an unproven commodity. Remember, he lost a lot of weight, yeah. uh, you mm-hmm. know, trying to be more uh, fluid in space. So he wasn't an exploitable there, wasn't a liability in space. Uh, but a couple of things I think going to help Wait, Ray Thornton, number one, uh, the LSU transfer. <clears throat> At LSU, he did play inside and outside. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps that he played inside and outside and now he can, I don't know where they ideally want to put him, but now, you know, you may have to look at him inside and outside, depending on how much depth you have at different positions. Um, I'm with you about the transfer portal. You got to, you got to try to get in the transfer portal as much as you can to try to bring in a linebacker, uh, just a, another body for you. Yeah. We don't, I will say that, you know, I know Coleman Hustler didn't get a lot of credit, but we talked about him on the podcast and we talked about how the linebackers were a lot. The position overall was a liability at the beginning of the season last year. And we talked about without a spring and everything. And then by the, by the end of the season, Matt, you brought it up. Hell, the linebackers were on the field more than any other position. DeMario mm-hmm. and Overshone and Juwan Mitchell. Um, you know, it got to the point where Chris Ash trusted them as much as he trusted anybody else on the field, or maybe because he had nobody else that could actually play the position. Um, so I do think at one point, you know, those guys became uh, an asset for the defense more so than a liability. So that was good coaching by Coleman Hustler. I know he's moved on, but Jeff Choate, we've heard great things about him, the Choater, as a as a coach. So I think the group has gotten some good coaching in back-to-back years, even though there has been turnover, and I think uh, Jeff Choate's going to do a good job. So you do have that, and I think now you've got to figure out, out of those, what, Prince Dorba, I don't know, Marcus Tillman Jr., David Bender, Jalen Ford, hell, throw Jet Bush in there, for God's sakes, now. You, you need as many yeah. bodies as you can uh, just trying to throw in at the problem and see which one of those guys separates. You need two, at least two of those to separate, right? And I don't know who that's going to be because, you know, we haven't really heard much about it, but you also need to experiment with the possibility that during the season this could happen. Right during the season, your linebacking uh, position could become, you know, 
riddled with injury or maybe you don't have enough proven commodities there or whatever. So you need to have a contingency plan that you're working on as well. I'm not saying work on it now, but hell, maybe you have more DBs that you trust on the field with a Josh Thompson. Uh, you talked about Deshaun Jameson. There's a guy that can move around. We know Josh Thompson has done it, but now you got Darian Dunn in the mix and combine that with some of your safeties. Tyler Owens is a guy that we need to see more of. And maybe you put together your own form of the lightning package, not, you know, not to say that he's taking what Todd Orlando did, who took what Iowa State did, but then you can, you know, have a, a package ready to go as a contingency plan in case your linebacking core is a liability, in case you don't really have any proven guys there that can actually be a strength to you. So I, I expect, you know, Kwiatkowski to have all those things as possible scenarios that he's working through. When we talked a few weeks ago about the defense and when we started kind of our spring practice preview we talked a lot about the secondary rod could this be a gateway to kind of solving our chris adamora issue which when you look at where chris adamora like you even mentioned it rod he played you know he's listed at 206 right now on the spring roster i mean he played closer to probably 220 last year just because yep. of the nature of the position and how chris ash wanted the nickel to function and it's interesting though that you know, Pete Kwiatkowski, if you go back and watch his Washington defenses like we talked about, his nickel defender has always been kind of a coverage first type guy. And Chris Adamore is an interesting guy because he he was a guy who's a true freshman back in 2019 that I know the previous staff felt like, look, if they just asked him to just go lock up guys one-on-one, uh, he might have been the best in that safety nickel group they had at being able mm-hmm. to do that. But now you fast forward it and his body's transformed a little bit. And you look at him, Rod, even at 6'1", 206, could this be a really good time to experiment? And we've heard Anthony Cook's made some waves early in practice. Is this not now the perfect time to say, hey, throw Chris out of more at one of those two inside linebacker positions and just see what it looks like? Yeah, I mean, in the Big 12, we know, you know that can often be the blueprint for a lot of defenses, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To go smaller, to go to match to match the speed on the field uh, i like the quote you always threw out there from that 24 7 piece from mike thomas look like what you hunt mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you on that i mean I, it would essentially be you know an expanded dime package right um and, and think about all the dbs they have because you know I, I like where you're going right seven you got, dbs yeah just think about all the db i'm just gonna name them right deshaun james josh thompson dj foster anthony cook Tyler Owens, Darian Dunn, Chris Adamore. Help. Uh, throw Brendan Schooler in the mix, too, right? Yeah. I think people like him. He's a good athlete. Throw him in the mix. How many DBs did I name? Did I get to eight? I think that's nine? eight, yeah. And you haven't even mentioned yeah, I mean, Jaron Thompson. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even mention Jaron Thompson, who probably should be projected as a starter as well. So you're talking about nine DBs or so. And I would say that B.J. Foster's a guy who's got um, experience playing nickel and playing the safety. Josh Thompson has moved around a little bit. Um, Anthony Anthony Cook has played outside, played inside. Chris Adamore, you just got them talking about his versatility and where he can play. You know, so I'm starting to think if you – and we know that Pete, Pete Kwiatkowski is a very creative problem solver. You know, you really could put together a – a package for DBs depending on how you evaluate all these guys and where you want to place them um, inside or nickel, dime, cornerback. Some guys can play safety, whatever. Depending on how you want to match up, 
you really could put together a a a a really creative, expansive nickel dime package that includes a lot of these DBs, to, like you said, to supplement that linebacker position. I'm not saying you're gonna. You know, that's not ideal. Maybe you would want your two linebackers there. And, and we know that DeMarvin Olishon will be healthy. And, you know, he's on his way, I think, to being one of the better young linebackers in the Big 12. But for that other linebacker position, you know, don't force a, a young player on the field who's not one of your best 11. Exactly. And I think the emphasis should always be trying to be, man, who are my best 11 guys? And you start looking at it, it may be putting more of the DBs on the field. Yeah. And supplementing those roles rather than trying to force, uh, I don't know, a Benda or or Jalen Ford who's not necessarily proving themselves to be ready. Yes, and that's a perfect point right there is the best 11 is the way that this roster may need to be treated because, you know, we already talked about the Juwan Mitchell news sort of expedites a situation that could have possibly been just well you'd want to give a guy his chances opportunity but when you look at the pieces and how they're going to all fit together something that you may have been left out so this can sort of just get you to start with day one and be able to build from there and when you talk about it conceptually you know we talk about that front four and how that front four is so solid and as good as you can find across college football and it sort of reminds me all the time when I hear about like the modern NBA and people talk about uh, the Utah Jazz how they have a guy or even you trying to do it in Philly right now but when you have that one big and you can fill with skill around it and that's what Texas needs to do is fill with skill around your D-line you have a D-line you have something that can be impactful up front and then you basically can have seven DBs flying around back there that can match the skill so you're filling with skill behind something that can erase your mistakes and you can allow players to take more risks that's what those type of concepts doing basketball when you have that one big rim protector and it allows your skill to be risky because you get the high upside plays and you know this is very similar it's exactly what we've seen some of the top defenses also do when you're facing a dual threat quarterback and that's something you see at the higher level in the NFL and that fits the Big 12 so well because we're already talking about Phil was skilled to match up against the opponent and then you have on the back end your guy's going to be as athletic as a dual threat quarterback now the advantage is where are you going to find that advantage if you're the offense if you're the guy we talk about Sark hunting mismatches well on the other side how can teams hunt a mismatch against Texas if you have those seven athletes on the backside that all of which have pretty decent football IQ but when you you eliminate a lot of those steps and processes when you get that athlete out in space having to cover or having to just go and match to like athletes so I really like the way that it conceptually could fit this roster because Texas has such a great front four that can really erase a lot of the mistakes and allow you to take a lot of risk you may not want to take. One interesting thing to take note of, guys, is Darian Dunn. And we'd heard of Horns 24-7 that he'd had some really good uh, practices late last week and and as the team's gotten back on the practice field. uh, He's been described as kind of a breakout player on defense. And look, you don't – Rod, it's it's like practices two, three, and four of spring ball. Like you don't want to – get the card out in front of the horse uh but again going back to our conversations a few weeks ago about the secondary like we had talked about look somebody in this group can somebody emerge to be like a number one corner like and, and rod you've looked at the tape and look just look at his numbers i mean darian dunn yeah profiles the way a number one corner should be he's 6'1 
He's two hundred. He's one hundred and two hundred two ninety three. Two ninety three for a corner would be pretty big. Sixty six one. He'd be the Lebron Curse in the corner. Exactly. Six one. One hundred ninety three pounds. He was a sixty meter indoor hurdles champion in the Southland Conference at McNeese. The one, the only knock on Darian Dunn so far, Rod, and it makes sense, is we had heard that when winter conditioning started, he was struggling, and it's like, okay, well. McNeese didn't play football last year. He wasn't with the team. He was in the portal. Like, what did he do all fall? You know, like, was yeah. he, he probably wasn't getting workouts with the team or, or anything of that nature. So all that to say, if if this Darian Dunn thing works out and this is kind of a springboard into a monster spring for him, man, that gives you even more flexibility, like you're saying, Rod, to, to float your DBs around and just, hey, find the best 11. And if you know, if Chris Adamora and B.J. Foster are in your best 11, then you'll, you'll, you'll figure out somewhere to put them. I know, and that's, and, and that's when we get back to, right, the mentality that some guys play with. You know, uh, Malcolm Epps is at 6'6", uh, you know, 200 and, what, almost 50 pounds or something like that? Is that where he is? he's over 250 uh, But he doesn't play year. that. He doesn't play up to that that body, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. play up to that body type. He he has a different mentality. Quandre Diggs is five five eight on a good day, and he's one of those physical players in the NFL, right? Yeah, has Epps, a is, Epps is listed at two fifty three on the spring roster for. Okay, time. yeah, but we know he gets he gets bumped out of bounds by guys that are ride B size, right? When they play bump and run against them, and when there's a jump ball that he can actually be deboed by a guy that's only 5'10", you know, as a cornerback, right? Because he doesn't play with that physicality. But we know a guy like B.J. Foster, he plays with a physicality, plays with an edge, right? He's great in the box, actually has great instincts in the box. We remember uh, him being kind of a basically the best natural blitzer for – Todd Orlando in in some of those early days when they it was a successful scheme. Um, we haven't seen enough of Tyler Owens to know what his mentality is. Um, but my, my point is certain certain guys have a certain mentality so they can play in the box and, and play a more physical style, even though their physical dimensions don't really add up to that. And I think if you figure out which one of these guys can do that, like I, and I love the Darian Dunn uh the improvement or at least the reports that he's turning out to be a really good player. It, it was in the film. You've watched him. I mean, he seemed like a guy that was a technician yeah. that ultimately, I don't know if he can be a shutdown corner, but if he can be a corner that can hold up in one-on-one coverage and just be a guy that you can trust in man-to-man coverage, you can really start to build your secondary conceptually in a different way. Um, and you know that, you know, the, the Kwiatkowski scheme is all about creating one-on-one matchups in the running game and kind of two-on-one matchups in the passing game by utilizing the individual strengths of his players. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the new theme of, of football at the NFL level, too. Kwiatkowski's been doing it for years. I think great defensive coordinator's been doing it for years. But against that numbers game, when you can just trust your corner to – to match up with one of their best wide receivers in man-to-man coverage, and that's the only way you can really de- truly defend RPOs these days is to try to you know play some form of man-to-man. That's what you would hope to do, um, but everybody just can't do it. They can't match up. Um, you get a guy like Darian Dunn, and you got veteran corners like Deshaun Jameson and Josh Thompson. Then you can experiment, guys. I mean, you can you can ideally come up with a three safety package. I remember watching the Super Bowl again with Todd Bowles had a masterful game plan that should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And, dude, they put out their three-safety package a lot. 
I mean, they're they taking what, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of stuff that Iowa State has really popularized mm-hmm. and putting their own spin on it. And they yeah, they play, you know, cover three in it. They play some cover two with three safety package, play some man-to-man out of the three safety package. Texas actually could theoretically throw out a three safety package um, this year. And I know it's not what Kwiatkowski does, but I'm just saying in terms of building your defense around your strengths, accentuating the positive, de-emphasizing the negative – this might be something they need to look into and, and explore in this offseason. Yeah, and that's where that that's kind of one of the things, Rod, I was thinking about this this weekend. It's one of the things with this staff, and this kind of bleeds into something I want to talk about offensively. At what point does your preference as a coach, and we know like Kwiatkowski, like his scheme, he loves the you know the hybrid, the flexible fronts with the two hybrid outside linebackers, and right now it's you know yeah. Jacoby Jones at one. It's, it's the X backer and the Jack is what he's called them in the past. He's got Jacoby Jones and, and guys working behind him at one, and then Ray Thornton at the other position. And Ray Thornton's at the X backer, and then guys working behind him, or maybe I've got it the other way around. I don't know. My brain's not working too well in the morning. But regardless, um, you know, he likes the hybrid fronts, and he's been kind of a, a, a match cover three guy in the past. And uh, there's a podcast floating around there. I've actually got the tab pulled up, and I'm in the process of listening to it. It's the Make Defense Great Again podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's and, a good podcast. Yeah, and Pete is on there for a while, basically talking about, you know, match cover three, defending the air raid, a lot of stuff. That, that parlays pretty well to some things he'll be asked to do at Texas. But I was thinking about it from this standpoint, Rod, like at what point as a coach do your your core beliefs as a coordinator and what you want to do, at what point does that intersect with your personnel and then you decide, yes, I can do this or or no, I've got to deviate from this. I mean, can they can they come out of spring ball? I mean, ideally that's that's the hope, right, that they come out of spring ball, spring ball thinking, and this goes for Sark in the offense too, thinking, okay, yeah, we can do – X, Y, and Z because our personnel will fit, or uh, we might have to be less, you know, cover three. We might have to play more cover two. Uh, we, we might have to do some different things. Or offensively, it's like, yeah, you know, we want to be a ten personnel offense. Maybe we do have to be more, more of an eleven personnel offense. And I just wonder at what point, like, do, do those those two things kind of intersect with each other, and you got to <clears> do one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, will scheme determine personnel or will personnel determine the scheme? Thank you for simplifying and, it in my incoherent yeah, No, no, I, I appreciate told, that. I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Right? Every coach should struggle with that. Yes, and we saw that with you the previous coach. Yeah, you don't want to force these guys to do something that they're not really good at. And right. that's all about development, too. And that's why, you know, Sark said he was going to give the guys the entire playbook. He said, I wasn't going to piecemeal it to them. I'm going to give it all to them. Uh, and which I like that approach because give it all to them, let them digest it, uh, let them try try their best to you know work that into their mental reps, but into their muscle memory on their own. Let them incorporate that into their training, all those things, right? Your your plays and your thought process and your concepts. And some of the guys will separate. Some guys who are, you saw as great athletes in the off season, they won't be able to mentally be able to. Uh, you know, to, to translate that to the field, right? What Sark is asking them to do. And some guys will pick it up quicker. And what you as Sark, what you try to figure out is, all right, what you come out of spring, all right, what are we good at? Right. Yeah. What what are the things that these guys actually were able to evolve and which improve on? And what concepts do they do really, really well? And hopefully, I think that's why he gave them a hundred percent of the playbook, you'll get, all right, we do well, 45 percent of this playbook, we're really, really good at. I, mean, I think we could be elite in these categories, whether it be you know inside zone, outside zone, you know, 
power, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, these concepts, uh, uh, passing concepts, we're really good at these things. I think we can execute them consistently, and that's going to be our bread and butter. That becomes our identity, basically, offensively. And I think that's when you get to training camp and you have – you know, you have your multiple layers of the offense, and that's what Mm -hmm. he's hoping. If you would have given the guys 50% of the playbook – well, what if they only master 20% of that stuff? And then by the time you get to training camp, you're, you don't have that many layers to your offense. Right. You've got a very limited rudimentary offense. So I think that's why he gave him all of it. He's not going to be able to execute all that stuff because he doesn't have the Alabama personnel, right? He doesn't have the Atlanta Falcons personnel, but he's a smart guy. He'll evolve that offense and build it around the strengths of the players. And I think Kwiatkowski will do the same thing. I know he wants, he's going to run that two, four or five, uh, but I just don't know right now if you have the ideal personnel to do it. And I wonder how much they're going to force before they decide, all right, you know what? We're going to we're going to just try our best to schematically uh, adapt our scheme to these player strengths rather than force them to play into a scheme where they, it doesn't accentuate their strengths and doesn't de-emphasize their weaknesses. Yeah, and I just for notes clarification purposes, Ray Thornton is uh, leading the group of guys right now, working at the X backer spot. He's um, at the X backer. Yeah, okay. and Kobe Jones is at the Jack, which the Jack is more of an, an on the line, uh, true, you know, kind of uh, more more of an on the line type guy. Uh, whereas your yeah. X backer is going to be more of kind of an, an off the ball. Uh, off the ball type position, but as we've seen, I mean, you've studied Pete Kwiatkowski's defense for any length of time. That's why he likes those hybrid positions. That's why he dubs them hybrid positions and lets them function as hybrid positions because you can do a lot of different things with both those guys. So, Rod, in that vein, let's go to the offense. And one thing that I thought was interesting, and you can get some of this at Horns twenty four seven right now. Go over to the site, and uh, my colleague Chip Brown has some notes uh, posted on Saturday morning, some practice notes. Uh, that we gathered, and uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, Rod, is they're running some two tight end stuff, running some twelve personnel right now, and we talked just about just the sheer yeah. number of bodies they've got at that position: Cade Brewer, Jared Wiley, Malcolm Epps, Gunnar Helm, Juan Davis. I mean, they've got five, and, and Braden Lybrock when he gets back gives you mm-hmm. six. I think this is twofold to me, Rod. I think, number one, I think they've got to sort out the tight end bodies and figure out who can play and who can't. And then I think, two, it also shows you a wide receiver with Jake Smith out, with Troy O'Meary not all the way back. And other than Joshua Moore and Jordan Whittington, you just got a lot of guys in that receiver room that haven't gotten a ton of game reps and are now having to learn a new scheme. Uh, you've got some growing pains right now at receiver, and you've got this kind of overwhelmingly large number of bodies that tied in. I think they're just trying to figure out kind of what they've got right now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, with the wide receiver position, I, you know, the concern is, you know, when do you have some of the the other guys basically that separate? I mean, you talked about the name Jordan Whittington and Joshua Moore, but in terms of the, the younger guys in that room, you do need some of them to step up and mm-hmm. start to, to separate a little bit and raise their level of play where they are considered guys that can be in that starting rotation of wide receivers. We all assume, best case scenario, all the wide receivers will be healthy and back for training camp. But, 
you know, what if something happens to another wide receiver? And you can't have that really yeah. decimate your receiver rotation. So I think that's part of the reason they, you know, the tight end package. Like we know Sark wants to recruit more speed. He's already said that. I think he wants less tight ends. Tom Herman was obsessed with tight ends. I thought Tom Herman was going to do something really funky and freaky with his tight ends because he kept recruiting so many of them. He yeah. like he loved having tight ends. But he never really maximized or weaponized his tight ends. It's so strange. I mean, he brought him in and all these really athletic bodies at tight end. And I assume that's going to be the connection between his pro ideology and his spread philosophy. But it never really was. He just kind of played with them. Like, my, I have a, my, I have a dog, uh, Lola, a, a chocolate lab. We buy her these plush. But she never tears them up. She literally just, you know, she just kind of treats them like baby dolls. She like hangs out with them, <laughs> carries them around. She never tears them up though. She plays with them, but she never tears them up. That's how I felt like Tom Herman was with his tight ends. Like he never actually dig dug, you know, dug deep into the tight end position to try to figure out how to use them. And then you got Iowa State and Notre Dame and all these these elite schools uh, playing at an elite level that are using their tight ends. And Texas has those bodies. They had yeah. those athletic bodies at tight end, but never developed those. Anyway, that's a weird conversation. But I think Sark seeing and saying, you know what? <laughs> this is what I got. And my wide receiver position right now is, you know, bereft of playmakers. You know what? I'll, I'm going to utilize these tight ends. I mean, let's start to develop these guys. Let's see if I can actually have a tight end package. I think Sark is flexible, man. Like I said, at Bama, when they had all those four wide receivers, when they had Ruggs and they had Devontae Smith and they had Jerry Judy, you know, Judy and I mean, yeah, the list Jaylen goes Waddle. on and yeah. Waddle too. They had their their they call their red package, their four wide receivers they put on the field. Why? Because why not? I mean, I got I got four first round wide receivers. <laughs> um, you figure out a way to stop us. You know what I mean? That's this is your damn problem. What you mean? Why? Why not? You should always try to put your best players on the field as much as possible together. We all know I'm not gonna get into it, but Tom Herman had a hard time with that. I think Sark looked around saying, Man, how can I do it now during the spring? Because he's obviously doesn't have all those guys because you're dealing with injuries with Troll Mary and Jake Smith. So I think he's just being a flexible, creative problem solver, which is what I think Texas needs in a coach. Rod, you remember the press conference coming off of uh, the Rice game? In 2019, when Jake Smith had that, he had, he'd had a couple nice plays in the LSU game, but really had that breakout game against Rice where he scored a couple touchdowns. Yeah, and I then Tom Herman gets asked in the Monday press conference. If you're listening to this and you and you didn't ask, I apologize right now, but I'm pretty sure it was Brian Davis. But he asked Tom Herman. He says, "Miss Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington on the field at the same time." And Tom Herman's response was, "Why would we do that?" And going back to what you said, wouldn't you? Why, why not? What, what's, what's wrong with that? What's wrong? That's what's wrong crazy. with getting two mismatch yeah, guys in the slot on the field at the same time? And I remember at the time we were wondering the same thing, but we also already knew the answer. He wasn't doing it because they both play the same position because of his rigidity to the 11 personnel. Does so, not compute, I guess. Exactly. And I looked it up <laughs> real quick at uh, to see back whenever Sark was with the Falcons because they had personnel grouping uh, data really readily available in the NFL, unlike college. And looks like it was the eighth most uh, 12 personnel in the NFL. He ran it almost 20% of the time in 2018. So, And that was with wow. just guys like Logan Paulson and 
Austin Hooper on the roster, so nothing special. So it's something that he definitely adapted towards, which he hadn't done before. And we know he also used a lot of 20 personnel, just two backs with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, because I've seen it with my own eyes, because he Mm -hmm. was trying to adapt the offense from the Shanahan offense, which also used a lot of 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, but except they used a traditional fullback, we know with Shano. So he, he he's very versatile, man. It's there. Like, it's, it's oh, all is. in his background for him yeah. to ma- really weaponize and maximize the assets Texas has on campus. And just to add to it, uh, there's another 6% because he went three tight ends for 2% of the time and went 22 4% of the time. So you're talking right there, 24% of snaps had two or three tight ends on the field in 2018. Did you say 22 personnel? Uh, yes. Okay, wow. 22, uh, wow. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like some that's some, that's some rice stuff. One wide receiver. Right? <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Julio Jones. That's, that's like that's stuff. like that's like David Shaw offense, man. Like Twenty-two. <laughs> I bet those were goal line plays. Um, probably, probably. But uh, n- nonetheless, I just I just like to I just like to think. I go back. Why have Why have I now twice referenced the Rice game from two years ago, Rod? I remember when hey, we were getting man. ready for that game, and you, you looked at well, <laughs> Mike Bloomgren was running like twenty three personnel at times, <laughs> and it's like, man, like okay, I guess if you want to go play football in the Stone Age, then just go with God, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so there's that part of it, but no, I, you know, I, I think it's a no, it's a no lose situation, right? Running. 12 personnel in spring practice because I think one of two things will happen. Either Sark will realize, hey, man, I've got something here. We can be, you know, we can do some 12 personnel with the, with the guys we got. Or he's going to get through this and say, yeah, I need to figure out which of you tight ends can go play linebacker or something because we just got too damn many. So Yeah. I feel no, like one of the true. two things I, And I happen. wonder if he's going to like Malcolm Epps. I know my second time bringing up Malcolm Epps, but we're talking tight ends. I wonder if he's going to like Malcolm Epps because that's an acquired taste. Yeah. At tight. Yeah. You know? He could be perfect for what Sark wants to do, or he could just end up getting lost in the shuffle. I don't know which one it is because I've always we've always been waiting on Malcolm Epps to be used the right way, and Tom Herman never really figured right. it out. And I don't know what Sark is. Could well, he no. be? Could he be like to for Sark at Texas what Jaleel Billingsley was for Sark? At Alabama, like I know they wear the but same the number. Athleticism, but, is yeah, this. Like, and you, that's the main thing with Epps, though. With his body type, he seems like the type of player that late in his college career could actually be one of those bodies. Because when you carry around a lot of big weight and you get into programs, you see it in basketball all the time. Guys that are so much more athletic in the NBA than they were in college because you're carrying around 15 pounds, but you've been running for years, and then that turns into lean muscle by year three or four in a program. You can be a lot different than you were in year one. In other words, like if you watch Bama, what they do with Billingsley, it's like, look, we're not asking you to be like an inline blocker and just roll people off the ball. Like what you do and do it really well. Mm-hmm. Like if they can yeah. get Malcolm Epps into that kind of role, then and that's kind of the that too. Even though he's not in spring practice, that's why I hate it for him. That's kind of the role I saw Braden Lybrock having. Like, look, we don't okay. need you. You you, we, you were recruited as one of the best receiving tight ends in the country. Like, we don't need you. We don't need you to go be Andrew Beck and just smash dudes at the point of attack. Like. Go be you. Go do what you do, and we'll we'll figure it out. Just do what we ask you to do, and do it really well. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Next week, I do want to talk a little bit more about the interesting organism that is the offensive line, and we'll uh, we'll do a couple more things. The spring practice rolls along. Hopefully, knock on wood, there are no more stoppages, and uh, it is full speed full speed ahead to uh, to the spring game. 
on April 24th. Hopefully we get there with uh, no more COVID pauses and everything is uh, smooth sailing from here on out. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Click subscribe and get every episode of State of Recruiting, the flagship, and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.